Hello, Gaming Intelligentsia. Before we start today's podcast, here is a message from our sponsor. The IGMNX podcast is made possible with the support from our sponsors at Pragmatic Solutions, leaders in intelligent platform technology. The Pragmatic Solutions player account management platform is an incredibly powerful technology stack for today's gaming business. Their modern modular platform provides all the core services to power your business and their SaaS licensing model allows you to reduce cost and accelerate your strategic goals. Enterprise technology with decades of operational know-how at scale built in. Upgrade your business to the Pragmatic Solutions PAM platform. Visit www.pragmatic.solutions to arrange a platform demo. And now here is today's podcast. Future trends, deep insights, industry leaders. This is the iGaming Next podcast with your host, Pierre Lindt. Good afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome to the iGaming Next podcast. Uh, today, we have with us Justan Evanskai, Eman Police. How are you doing, Eman? I'm doing great. I love how you, how you know how I love to call myself as Justin Events Guy. Although oh. that has moved a little bit since COVID. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, of course, of course. Oh, I, I was there actually when that uh, famous uh, quote was born. I believe it was on the <laughs> first inaugural AIBC conference, if that's correct, right? Most likely, yeah. Uh, and it's just been haunting you since, uh, ever since then, just an event guy. <laughs> I love to throw it in, yes. <laughs> You're doing well today, I'm doing great. Been awake since four, so now it's uh it's what two in the afternoon, so it's been a long day already. Yeah, yes, it has been, it has been. Um Eman, uh, it's really nice to have you here today. And as a fellow uh, organizer, it's really interesting for me to uh, talk about this topic today. It's really interesting uh, to kind of hear your opinions on, on what's going on in general with COVID and, and kind of the, the future of, of events, stuff like that. I mean, we've known each other since uh, before you started Sigma, even uh, when you were even more just an event guy back, back in the day. And, and um, it's been really cool to see, you know, Sigma being born and, you know, going from strength to strength to things every year and stuff like that. So I, I just wanted to kind of start, can you run through a little bit the history of, of Sigma kind of how, how did this idea yeah. be? Why, why did you decide to start this? Uh, yeah, beautiful. Well, I love telling this story. Mm. I'm not a gaming guy. My background was purely events. Mm. I used to organize a lot of parties uh, since time immemorial, maybe 20 years experience doing throwing some of the biggest parties in Malta. And, but I was getting sick and tired of that scene. I was growing older. The crowd remained the same age. So the age gap was always growing and growing. And I realized that the only people who were spending some money at my shows were the people who worked in gaming. So there's me thinking simplistically, why am I doing events for everyone? I should just be doing events for the gaming crowd. And that's how the thought of Sigma, the summit of iGaming in Malta, was an acronym for Summit iGaming Malta back then took off. Mm. I had no clue what gaming was. I had little clue what affiliates were, what operators did, what suppliers did. Um, but I said, let's give it a shot. And it worked. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's to say the least. And uh, I mean, now, what is it, six years later or something of the sort, you're obviously one of the bigger organizers in the, in, the, in the space and um, going from strength to strength each year. And um, it's 
cool to cool to be kind of a part of this journey and and see the the journey that you've done and that's certainly uh, inspired us obviously um in 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 our quest as well to uh, to create better and better events as well um so now obviously so so you've had this journey and and um you've been growing from from year to year and then all of a sudden it's 2020 march comes and the whole world gets turned upside down like um how was that experience for you guys over Sigma in March? I mean, you were just in the middle of planning the Manila event. That's uh, right. And, uh, you know, that was looking good. And all of a sudden, everything gets thrown on its head. Can you take us through it? Yeah. yeah, well, uh, to me personally and to the company, it wasn't a shocker. Mm. Uh, let's keep in mind, I was living in the Philippines, um, Southeast Asia, very close to the heart of where it all started started bubbling no, in in, uh, in Wuhan. So I've been hearing about the virus a bit more closely than my uh, fellow friends back in Europe back then. It was, we're talking November, December. So, so I had been living the experience, the nightmare, if we want to call it that, for quite some time. So my thinking had started preparing me uh, for an eventual case scenario. So it wasn't just a problem that hit me in February. It was a, an issue that gradually built itself around us since December, I would say. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, well, it's, 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 it's every event organizer's worst nightmare, no? Even bigger than that, I would say, to have a lineup of events planned and not even in your wildest dreams would you anticipate that a natural disaster could have such an impact. No, usually a natural disaster could have an impact on one event. No, so you have to cancel one event because of blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, but not in your wildest dream would you think that you'd have to start preparing for an eventuality that your events for the next year or for the next two years, for the next mm. three years, have to be postponed and rescheduled. So, so we're going through that, but thank God, I think we're a very resilient company. So, mm. so uh, I, I, I know we took the right steps to mitigate the risk, not only sit there and shrink, just to wait for the whole storm to pass by, but I think we took a very proactive um, uh, approach. Mm. So we're also morphing as a company to become even more resilient mm. should other pandemics hit in the future. And I'll be able to talk to them to, to talk about this in uh, further detail, perhaps as the interview unfolds. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, let's let's do it now. Uh, what yeah, kind yeah. of? Uh, I would I would love to hear kind of what are your thoughts? You know, I, I mean, even going back to March, uh, I, I would say from my perspective, what happened within our organization is, uh, you know, um, it was so much uncertainty back then as it is now still. But when when the when when everything went down and it was almost from one day to the other where the whole world was turned upside down, everyone started working from home and, and these things. But the feeling was very much back then that it would be over in two months, you know? And we saw yeah. that on the conference side, for example, SPC postponed their Malta event, which was planned to take uh, take uh, place in end of March. It was postponed till June, you know? And when they postponed that to June, the, um, 
general feeling was that okay you know june that will everything will be fine by then and uh, naturally you know as things progressed we are now in in september and um, uh, there is still no kind of end in in sight and we don't, still don't know how this will will pan out so to say so yeah. um you know how like when this happened in march kind of what was your thoughts how long did you thought that this was going to go on for or yeah the same feeling or how did you pivot back in march i think nobody had a clue mm. what was going on in terms of magnitude no not even governments themselves knew how to mitigate the situation so we decided to, to assess the situation on an hourly basis, not even a daily basis. Um, we were glued to the stats to see what's going on, to the news, to see how serious the virus is. And we were observing governments worldwide taking different measures. Um, and we were making our own, summarizing our own conclusions based on all this intel that we were collecting. Um, the closer the date of our big show in Asia came, the sooner we realized that we needed to to take active measures in everyone's best interest. No, because safety issues were clearly an issue uh, to keep in mind. So we decided to postpone our Asia show by one year, not even postpone it by a few months, but postpone it to the following year. Mm. And uh, and now we faced again the same issue with Malta. Um, mm. But with Malta, we decided not to push it by a year, but to push it by a few months and play again the waiting game to see what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and how do you feel for the February event uh, at the moment? What's yeah. your response from partners? And yeah, uh, what's your feeling in general? Because I know you, you mentioned at some point that uh, you know we, we'll have to see what happens, basically. Exactly. We'll we'll always take a decision well in advance. Mm. Um, but look, there's so much at stake in the coming months. And I'll be honest with you, I'll, this is my gut feeling, no? but I wouldn't be surprised that some sort of good news comes out just before the US elections. Um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to see what's going to happen there, yeah. where the stakes are incredibly high. And, uh, and then hopefully things will start getting better uh, from that date onwards, no? So from November onwards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a good point, actually, because the, the US election is, uh, I mean, it's, it feels like it's a, a defining moment for the entire world, actually. Are we going exactly. left or right? And uh, there's so much at stake, like you're saying. And, and Trump is obviously pushing for the vaccine then to be kind of um, starting to be distributed before the election, which is only two months away. Um, so yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so I'm looking, I'm looking forward week after week to see, mm. to see the good news that is coming out related to a vaccine specifically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, um, but also, how is the world going to react if a vaccine doesn't come along? Are we going to remain uh, living in uh, this sort of environment for years to come? Are people going to adapt and and start flying to an extent again? You know, it's yeah. That, that's a, that's another question right now because uh, I mean we are in Malta now, Eman, obviously, and um, society is is pretty much uh, functioning like normal now. Um, the only restrictions that we have, more or less, are on the event side. 
right? There are the large public gatherings that are, um, you know, understandably not allowed at the moment, and the cases are going up. But it's not the same. There isn't much panic that you're seeing in, in society. We have kind of accepted to an extent that this is a part of our society. Do you get that feeling too? Yeah. Look, people are craving a sense of normal. Mm. Are craving the pre-COVID lifestyle. Mm. I would say. Um, now we understand the virus a bit better than we did back in March as well. So we know how serious it is um, a bit better than before. Uh, I think people feared the virus a lot more before. Now we understand that it's mostly the vulnerable elderly who are at risk mm. uh, from COVID. So I think people are accepting that a bit better. Mm. Um, I wouldn't say calculated risks, but probably before people were a lot more paranoid mm. on going out, going grocery shopping, doing this, doing that. Mm. Now people with a bit of common sense, um, some basic form of protection, wearing a mask, washing your hands, avoiding mm. useless contact like handshakes, mm. um, <laughs> which is not useless at all. but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. But avoiding unnecessary. unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's true. Oh, so, yeah. Mm. People are adapting to it for sure. So, so let's say, Aman, you were the prime minister of Malta. Oh. Um, and, uh, or, or, or more so, the, um, the minister, minister for health. Yeah. Um, kind of, what, what do you think would be reasonable restrictions at this, at this point? Or no restrictions? Restrictions, I would say no. Restrictions are important still. Mm. Um, I, would I would be more inclined on allowing travel, get tested at the airport, mm. um, even though there's this incubation uh, period where you do not necessarily detect um, cases. Mm. But I would encourage the elderly, the vulnerable, to be a little bit, a lot more cautious, actually. So, mm. so I would probably open the gates a little bit more than we currently mm. have them now. Yeah, that I would be me. But uh, obviously, I yeah, understand exactly. both sides of the game. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, I, I think um, on the event side of things. I mean, if you look at like concerts, parties, uh, things along those lines, it's. I, I, we, always, we always say it's, it is two types of people that it's just impossible to keep at a, uh, social distancing. It is uh, children and drunk people. Basically. Yeah, uh, they are just kind of congregate. So like the parties are not the easiest, obviously, to control. You know, how do you keep a socially distanced dance floor, for example? It's just not going yeah, to happen. happen. And, you know and, I mean? yeah. and to this government, in uh, I believe the German government, for instance, distinguishes between parties. Yeah. and exhibitions um, they actually allow exhibitions uh, to take place mm -hmm. because a form of discipline social distancing mm -hmm. is possible in the way you devise corridors one-way traffic um, how many people can gather on a boot yeah so you could actually control uh, what goes on in an expo much more easily than a party Exactly. And uh, I think it was WHO who released like a risk assessment basically for events um, where you go through the risk assessment and, um, you know, you, you, you risk what mitigations you are doing to certain... Um, to certain and they grade, they grade yeah. you, yeah. 
and they grade you like how dangerous is the uh, is the event and, I, and like you're saying on the on the expo side many of these kind of restrictions or uh, kind of things that you want to mitigate to get into a healthy uh, to a safe event is possible to actually uh, do so should it be more like you know the government should look at events especially large-scale events that are perhaps important for the economy should they look at them kind of on a one-to-one -one basis and um, calculate the risk rather than kind of putting everyone into the same box i believe so and i believe the government is looking at mm. uh, situations like these i mean and and also for the industry mm. you know when covid hits thoughts start tracing your mind no you think well does the industry actually need physical events? Yeah. Um, it seems like they can survive on uh, online events. Um, but if there's one thing that I now know for fact <laughs> is that a lot of business is done in these events. A lot, mm. a lot of business uh, matures during these events. So, so I know once COVID is over or subdues, yeah. people are going to be craving yeah. connecting at those shows once again i'm pretty sure do you think there'll be uh, do you think there'll be two camps on that uh, front because uh, th there was a, a recent gpwa poll that ran that asked the question basically when do you, when will you return to a live event and um 82 percent said q3 2021 or later and almost 50 percent said 2022 or later you know, is that a knee-jerk reaction, or do you think there's two camps? There's like, no, it's, people, it, like, it, want to get back. One doesn't exclude the other. Um, yeah. So those eighty-two percent and those fifty percent are also craving going back. Yeah. They're just a bit more cautious because of COVID or because of company policy, but they're not yeah. saying. I think none of these eighty-two percent are saying, you know what? I think we can do just as fine without going to any events. They're not saying that yeah um so yeah whether it's next year or even the year after yeah i think people are craving going back yeah yeah, yeah. to shaking hands and doing business face to face yeah. well let's face it um we've tried it in online conferences we organize them ourselves yep yep the the networking just doesn't happen as no. as greatly as face to face doesn't it I, I completely agree. I mean, the, I think this, this is a discussion on its own too, like the online events in general. And, and it's not a secret. I mean, we spoke about it before in the podcast here, man. I mean, it's not a secret that they aren't as popular as, let's say, we would have hoped as organizers, especially in these times, you know, when we are trying to do the best we can to, uh, to connect the industry. Um, but then the question is why, you know, why, why do you think that the, uh, the digital events are not that popular when it's so easy to attend? Well, because I mean, what are you looking after when you fly to an event? The holistic experience you get from flying to London for ICE mm. or flying to Manila for Sigma or to Malta for Sigma. The holistic experience is so much bigger than just content. It's so much bigger than networking uh, on an online platform. Um, you're building friendship. Ultimately, I believe a lot that business is done between people Mm. and sell them between companies. So it ultimately boils down to people becoming compatible mm. um, and wanting to do business with each other, especially in gaming, mm. uh, more so probably than in other sectors. <laughs> um, and these kind of relationships are fomented 
fermented in uh, in expos like ours. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that experience, being able to sit down, have a beer with a colleague or with a future client, you just can't have it from the comfort of your own home through a laptop. Yeah. Yeah, it's and I I think that has I mean that has definitely been the feeling through the digital events so far. But then I ask myself this, Simon. Uh, yes, we look at the digital events and they haven't been great. Um, but if but there are there is a lot of networking happening online. I mean, the world's biggest social media platforms, Facebook, we use hours and hours per day. You know, is it, so then I ask myself, is it a for is it a format that is wrong? Is it that we just haven't found the key? Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like LinkedIn, Facebook. I mean, uh, th these are extremely valuable tools for us as professionals. Yeah, but have they been used, I mean, to close six, seven, eight-figure deals? Um, <sighs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a good point. You know, it's, you know it's what a, I mean. It's the first step, perhaps, and then the deal happens then at the conference, so to say. It's that's like, right. Exactly. Where you warm up the leads at the at these platforms, and then you close them at the conferences. Let's say. Exactly, and also, your attention span is different when you're talking to someone through a keyboard, mm. or when you're meeting them face to face. Mm. I believe in any conversation, the, the largest percentage of information you seep through mm. isn't verbally, but yeah. it's through non-verbal communication. It's yeah. whether I'm looking elsewhere, it's yeah. whether I'm facing you square, it's whether I'm keeping my hands crossed, meaning that I'm <laughs> shying away from giving you all the information. Yeah. I believe non-verbal cues are 70% of the conversation. Yeah, that's what you lose that. You lose most of that from a virtual conference. Yeah. Um, so there's there's so much that's hidden that you can't have virtually. And by hidden, I mean all this nonverbal communication, the experience of bonding through a couple pints of beer mm. uh, with a potential client, um, the availability of being able to read someone, whether he's honest, whether he's genuine. Yeah. Whether he's trustworthy, who he's surrounding himself with, mm. um, how legitimate is this company based on the booth, based on his other colleagues on the booth. On, you know, you can tell so much <laughs> from an expo that you can't really tell in a, in a virtual environment. No, I mean, the, the, you're right, obviously. I mean, there's, there's the friendships. That's how the friendships are, are forged uh, in, in, in a lot of ways in, in that regard. But I mean... The other side to this as well, I think, I guess, would be that pre-COVID, like BC, before COVID, um, having a Zoom call was kind of seen as like, you know, you're not important enough, therefore we do a, we only do a Zoom call. You know, I don't have time to go to a meeting with you, therefore we do a Zoom call kind of thing. Uh, I wonder, I, I have a feeling that, that those, that has kind of, uh, that has kind of become irrelevant, that question now. Like uh, Zoom calls is now the standard, and even to the point where, you know, for me at least, I I much prefer to do Zoom calls than um, uh, actually meeting in person. Not not because I don't enjoy spending time with someone, but I, I just have so many things to do. 
you know and, yeah. I, and i think after covid especially so because everyone has become so much more efficient now it gets a feeling of true uh, so that's another question i mean uh, so that leads down to the to the bigger question which is uh, i completely agree with you that i think that there is a large part of people who prefer to to do deals and to meet at the physical conferences um, but i also think that from a company perspective um, they might start looking at their costs um, and 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 ask themselves tough questions you know do we need to spend as much money as we did before perhaps and so the question is like do you think that i give me events will ever be the same again is that just a matter of time even if it takes you know two years three years four years or or um will we have to adapt to uh, i hate this phrase so much but uh, like the, the new normal I, I, yeah i should be saying it but i'm sorry <laughs> yeah look i think zoom is amazing and mm. thank god for covid because the world has woken up to the need to embrace technology a bit better yeah no we actually have the technology but we don't use it efficiently enough i agree wholeheartedly with that and i believe zoom is needed to replace having to take a flight just for one business meeting with the board you know mm. um so for reasons like that you know i have to travel because i have one meeting i need to take once a month um yes zoom mm. is absolutely necessary when it comes to events you don't fly to meet one person you don't fly to meet 10 persons you fly because you line up 30 40 strong meetings mm. plus you're opening up to the possibility of meeting another 20 30 possible warm leads mm. um, so i would say conferences are the most economical means to do face-to-face -face business which will never die out mm. uh, in my opinion um, so if you tell me if it's going to change if people will stop going to conferences and instead take those meetings on zoom i'd say it's very unlikely but if it comes to just one random meeting here and there where you have to either take a two-hour drive or a whole day of flying i think that's easily replaceable with a zoom call yes mm -hmm. do yeah. you understand the difference i'm trying yeah. to make yeah absolutely and i mean we, we all know that all professionals that obviously uh, you know before before a conference like sigma or before a conference like, like ice the key to success is to be able to set these pre-booked meetings to do the work before of the course. conference and to yeah. have you know 40 meetings lined up that you'd never be able to do uh, on yeah. on the ground you know that is the that is the power of these congregations of uh, people being able to do that it's uh, it's what also makes the industry you know interesting to work in you mm. know it's not just a matter of meeting new clients i also want to meet my existing clients mm. um do i stay flying to different destinations to at least meet my client once a year mm. or do i have to fly what 50 times to meet 50 clients mm. or do i agree with them listen let's meet in london at ice let's meet in more at sigma um, this is also why big events are very very helpful because they're a melting pot for people to touch base not only because they've never touched base before but because they want to touch base after doing business for mm. a couple of years together mm. 
Um, yeah. I, I hardly believe that will die out as well. No, no, for sure. So then, then comes a little bit like the elephant in the room for us conference organizers looking into 2021, uh, which is the fact that the calendar is absolutely uh, uh, smack full with different events uh, happening left, right and center uh, on planned on a bigger scale and so forth. Um, do you think that um, do you think that it will kind of be a little bit of a, um, a massacre in the event side of things that like kind of the, you know, the stronger events will obviously do continue to do well. But do you think that there will be uh, a, a lot of events that will have to really kind of look, uh, look themselves in the mirror? Interesting question. Mm. And I'll tell you why I believe some events will have to make way. Yeah. Um, until five years ago, seven years ago, I think you'll agree with me that we always thought of Europe as the gaming market. So when an operator operates, they're targeting Scandinavia, they're targeting UK market, they're targeting German markets, German-speaking markets. Now, those same operators, they're targeting all those markets. Then they're targeting LATAM, they're targeting Japan, they're targeting Southeast Asia, they're targeting India. So whereas before they had to attend few conferences around Europe, now they also need to attend a conference about LATAM, a conference about North America, conference about Asia, conference about India. So how the hell am I going to fit all my previous events with this new list of events that I need to start attending? Mm. Um, so based on that thinking, even us as a company, we morphed a bit outside of Europe as well. Um, mm. So we didn't want to build more shows in Europe because there's already more than enough, if you ask me. Mm. Um, but I think there's a need for um, properly done events across Latin America, across Asia. Yeah. So there, I believe there's still a market. Yeah, exactly. And it's uh, amongst the bigger um, conference producers now, I, Sigma, uh, SPC, are, that is the trend that we are seeing, right? That the, uh, we are expanding into, um, into other continents uh, as well. So I know that you guys are planning the same thing, right? Like, what's your plans now for 2021 and beyond? Yeah, look, thanks to COVID, we had ample time not to execute, but to, to build. Um, I don't know if I can explain the difference between the two. Whereas before we were bogged down with, you know, <laughs> deadlines. Oh my God, the show is coming. We need to do this. We need to do that. Um, now, it's more about building new stuff. So mm. thanks to COVID, we now have Sigma Africa, Sigma Americas. We also morphed into a media company. So I have to part way with calling myself just an events guy. But we're also a media company that has reporters across the globe. So we're trying to cover news worldwide. Let's mm. say I'm... Uh, I'm an operator based here, and I'm looking at opening into new markets. I want us to become a, a reference point where you can get all the information you need mm. under one website. Uh, we've morphed into a media company, not only in terms of content worldwide, but also in the way it is understood. So one piece of content is available in six languages. Mm. And that, I can tell you, it's a logistical nightmare um, <laughs> to collect the news, then make sure it's available in six languages mm. and regurgitate on your website. Oof. 
we're learning as we go along. No, it's only been three months, uh, yeah. but I've realized there's so much we can do besides events. Mm. And uh, it's been a great adventure so far. Yeah, and that I think is the, um, the important thing in this situation is, uh, like you're saying, taking, taking the time and, and the advantage that we have to think about, you know, what, what other ideas are there? Like, what other natural ways are there to develop as a company? Like you're saying, you're developing into a media company, um, expanding those arms, becoming a global company in the, in the meantime, and, and kind of understanding um, how that all makes sense together. It's a great opportunity to pivot and to just plan for the future in general. Like, yeah. who, who do you think will be like the winners and losers through, through this situation? Oh, I'm not, not mentioning names, perhaps, but like in general. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the winners are those who are taking bold decisions to build stuff mm. rather than shying away, locking themselves in their own office and shrinking. Um, so thinking about, oh, my God, we need to let go 80% of our workforce because COVID is going to last so much longer. Those yeah. guys will likely not, not make it if they're just thinking about shrinking and not building. Mm. I don't know who these are. I think, I think we're not doing that exercise because we're building yeah. a lot. So I hope <laughs> we will emerge on the winning side once COVID, once COVID is over. No. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think so too, and I think that um, this is an opportunity for us as organizers to you know, capitalize, like, are, are you, it's not going to be the best year financially, obviously for yeah. none of us, you know, and it's, it's tough, tough times in, in, in that regard. Um, but can you like do things right now? And can you, uh, you know, uh, capitalize on this situation? You'll emerge with a better market share eventually. And I think that is the situation that a lot of us are in. And it can also be that, you know, the, uh, the whole companies, uh, some companies might change. You know, I saw one organizer, like on the smaller scale, they also became a media company now, but not really towards events. They are like doing media productions. Like, uh, you know, they, they are helping their kind of partners to create advertisements and media and producing these other things. So they, they are morphing into a different type of organization altogether. You yeah. Know? And uh, I think all, all, the, all the organizations need to look at themselves if you are in the event sphere, like really look at look at yourself and try to come up with a business model where you can carry the company through this crisis for as long as it needs, you know, um, because we don't know, like you're saying, it could be a year, it could be six months, could be two years, you know, we, we don't know yeah. that, right? And coming up with these ideas where uh, where you can sustain your business, I think that's the, the, the most important thing. And then like you're saying, to try to grow at the same time but also be mindful of that it might take time. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. in fact, funnily enough, uh, the workforce uh, working with our squad, we've never been a bigger team <laughs> than, uh, than as of lately. <laughs> so, so rather than firing people and panicking, mm. um, we're building. Yeah. As I told you, from an events company of having Malta and Manila, now we have Malta, Manila, Sao Paulo, mm. and uh, Cape Town. So four from two shows, four shows. We yeah. also have the media. Something yeah. else that's interesting that we would love to build, I think. There's probably a mini scoop for you, Pierre. 
Okay. Uh, <laughs> a Sigma it College. between us. A Sigma okay. College is something we would love to build eventually. Okay. And we're working on creating just some basic um, modules that we can offer to third world nationalists where we're operating in. So we're in Sao Paulo, we're in the Philippines, in Manila, we're in Ghana, we're in Kenya, we're in uh, South Africa. I would love to see a course that certifies uh, individuals out there on a number of skills related to online gaming. Why? We have gaming companies who are expanding into those territories. We want to be able to have a workforce in those territories that can be fed into the gaming uh, niche as a vertical. So we're working also on that by building a number of basic courses. That, that's very cool. So kind of like e-learning type uh, type. All, all, all automated, free to yeah. enroll, but uh, you have to take all the courses so you can't skip classes. And yeah. then at the end, the certification comes to you and it's stored on the blockchain. So we make sure that nothing is being tampered with. Yeah. So this is the project we're working on at the moment. And we'll have more details in the coming weeks and months. Very cool. Yeah, that's exciting. I mean, this is the type of like outside of the box type of ideas that also will widen the organization. It gives the organization more credibility. Yeah, yeah. You're able to do more. You're able to widen the network. And then once you widen the network, you're more interesting to work with as a partner as well. Yeah, because think about it, Pierre. Ultimately, yeah. as, an events, as an events company, as a media company, you always want to answer a an issue. How can I help these companies? How can I make myself relevant to them? Mm. The event, sure, it helps. The media, giving them exposure, definitely it helps. Being able to connect a healthy amount of uh, workforce in those regions, I think would be another huge step in the right direction. Mm. Um, so whatever we can do to be of service, Mm. Whether it's with events, whether it's with media, whether it's with the college, whether it's through the foundation, we're doing a lot of work through the foundation. Yeah. We want to be there at the forefront. Yeah, very cool. It's a, it's a, I'm, a, I'm excited to hear this, Aman, and, and uh, thanks for sharing it before it's uh, before it's You're the first, first, first to know publicly. Uh, yeah, there we go. I, I, what a compliment. Thank you. <laughs> uh, exciting. So, um, so before we uh, kind of close uh, things up today, I, I, I could really talk for hours with you, I mean, it, It's really exciting. And I, I, I'd love to follow up on you in a couple of months and see where we are at, at that time, if, if you don't mind. But um, I'd like to close up today with a, with a question that we talked about in a panel a couple of weeks ago. So we hosted um, Sean O'Donnell of Better Collective and Leanne Johnstone uh, of Affiliate Insider uh, of a discussion as well of what their thoughts on uh, events were in general. And one of the things they mentioned is uh, they think that it's time now for organizers in general to work more together, more corporations uh, and, and, um, and so forth. Uh, do, do you think it's time for the kind of competitors, the classic competitors to work more together? And if so, how would, that, how would you see that working? I couldn't agree more with Shona and Leanne, both of whom are very good friends of mine. And we talk on a regular basis. We're actually working with Leanne on some projects. 
Cool. And Shona is uh, now with Better Collective, ex-Clarion, ex-ITB. Uh, <laughs> so I use this opportunity to send my warm regards to both of them. Um, yes, I couldn't agree more. And in fact, I think if one looks back, I think what Clarion and us had done was quite remarkable. Um, kudos to them, kudos to an extent to my team. But the show in Asia wasn't organized by Sigma. The show in Asia wasn't organized by Clarion. Mm. It was a collaboration between the two of us. So Sigma and Clarion, so Sigma and Eyes were taking place within the same venue on the same dates. So I think that's probably the strongest message that we could give to the industry that, listen, yes, we are listening. We know there's so much going on out there. And why compete when we can cooperate on a number of events? So, yes, we've done it in the past. And I would love to do much more on that with Clarion, with others uh, in different regions. We are talking also to other event organizers, um, this time not on the east side, but on the west side. And hopefully you'll see other corporations uh, being announced in the coming weeks and months as well. Mm. Um, I think it's never enough. I'd love to see a lobby group, perhaps, or a, or a forum where event organizers can come together in a bit more structured way. Um, so the best interest of small organizers, the best interest of bigger organizers um, is discussed a bit more freely. Um, because I do believe sometimes there's a lot of misunderstandings and uh, based on misunderstandings, irrational decisions can, can take place. So mm. a fora like this would help prevent uh, any such situations, no? So yeah, absolutely mm. agree with them both and mm. there's never too much cooperation. Yeah, true. Yeah, it's like it's a good point on the um, uh, industry organization type of thing. Because in in the um, between the arguing, uh, the, you know, uh, operators and suppliers, uh, there is a lot of industry organizations and lobbies uh, groups. Uh, each country has its own, pretty much now in Europe, uh, and even um, even in other continents as well. Um, and uh, why not, you know, us organizers? Uh, uh, you know, gathering around the table to discuss the future together as well for the benefit of everyone. I think that's beautiful, to be honest. Yeah. I think that's fun. So, so to close this on, let's close on a positive note today, Aman. Uh, what are the silver linings in this situation? Silver lining of COVID, you mean? Yeah, yes. Uh, I think we discussed a lot of that. I think yeah. COVID gave us a long time to, to think inwardly. Uh, see the direction in which the company is heading and realign ourselves to be able to offer a better product, a better service post-COVID. So I think um, that is the number one lesson that we've learned. Um, also, you realize, you know, what we were doing isn't, sometimes we get bogged down so much into what we're doing like with blinkers just running straight ahead, no? <laughs> um, but you get to sit down a little bit, breathe a little bit, and you understand that life is so much more than uh, than just doing events 
24 <laughs> hours a day, you know? So it gave me a long time to reflect on that myself. Yeah. To appreciate family, appreciate my daughter even mm -hmm. more. Um, so all in all, I think I'm very upbeat about the whole situation. <laughs> yeah, 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 to be honest with you, I think it's a good way of summarizing things. Maybe there should be a month lockdown every year just to get perspective on, on life yeah. and on things in general. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of a holiday, we take lockdowns. Forced lockdown, yes. <laughs> Evan, uh, thank you so much for doing this today. Uh, you know, it's really it's really cool that you come on board, uh, come on board here through the Agumilex podcast. It's uh, super cool. Uh, I hope uh, we brought some clarity and some value to the uh, to the listeners today, and uh, on kind of uh, from our perspective, how we see how things uh, move along. So uh, thank you, thank you for that, Aman. Do you want to close things off with any any words? No, I look forward. First, we were talking about cooperation. I look forward to one of ours, Pierre. Um, maybe yes. we'll announce something together in the coming in the coming months or years. Yeah, so yeah. Other than that, other than that, I just augur everyone to remain positive, and hopefully, I'll be able to see you all and welcome you to one of our shows with arms wide open. Great, Evan. We are all here on our side, so whenever you want to meet up in in person, shake uh, hands or shake elbows <laughs> or whatever you do these days, uh, I'm fine with that. So. Um, thank you so much today, Aman. Uh, thank you to the sponsors as well, Permatic Solutions, for supporting this podcast, being able to do what we do. Uh, really appreciate that. And to everyone else, have a beautiful day. Thank you so much. This fruitful discussion has been brought to you by our sponsors, Pragmatic Solutions, leaders in intelligent platform technology. Is your business struggling to keep up with the development demands on your current gaming platform? Well, then it's time to upgrade to the Pragmatic Solutions PAM platform. Multi-tenant, multi-currency, multi-regional, API-based, rule engine automated, regulation ready. It's all here out of the box. Smart businesses leverage Pragmatic SaaS model and license powerful modern technology for a fraction of the cost of in-house development. Upgrade your business to the Pragmatic Solutions PAM platform. Visit www.pragmatic.solutions to arrange a platform demo. Stay safe and take care.